What's up, Simple Passive Cash Flow? Today we have a guy who I hired for about a year, maybe a little bit over a year, to kind of help me work through some not money issues, not fitness issues, but more mindset, happiness issues, which I think mental health is a big thing. And when you got money working for you, you really want to grow the why and what you're going to do with life once you have the basic necessities, I guess. Maybe it Part of it is like that whole Maslow hierarchy of needs, getting the autonomy up top at the pyramid. We're going to place this and other similar information on simplepassivecashflow.com slash happy if you guys really like this kind of angle. But uh, Kevin Roth is our guest today. And like I said, he I've been working with him as a consultant and he was on an earlier podcast, I believe in the middle of... 2020. So if you want to go back and take a listen to that podcast, that was before he and I started to work with each other. And But thanks for coming on, Kevin. Why don't you share a little synopsis of that first podcast, a little bit about your story, and then we'll kind of go through some lessons learned that I had, and maybe you can help myself and the audience retrace the steps, right? Because I think a lot of listeners are very similar to myself, the type A, work, work, work till you die, get a gazillion dollars when all you really needed was $4 million and that type of strange personality as we joke around. But but yeah, you know, very unusual and life-changing experience that you had. Why don't you share that real quick for the audience? In a nutshell, I've been a musician my whole life and I was under the assumption that if I just got rich and famous, I'd be happy. And I got rich and famous. I have 55 albums. I was on a hit TV show and I had a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Let me, Kevin's being modest here, but the guy, if anybody's listened to those old PBS Shining Time Station shows back in the late 80s, early 90s, this is the dude that was singing that song. Yeah, I sang the theme. Yeah. So my music career exploded and I had started my own record company. So because my name was hot in the business, I was able to license my material to Sony Records and Random House and Book of the Month Club. I did a big deal with them. And it was a real success story. And then the dot-com bubble broke in stocks, which is where I made most of the money. And I lost a lot of money like everybody. And I was living in California at the time. And then I moved to Florida because it was cheaper at the time. And I invested in real estate, which did really well. And then that dot-com bubble burst. And I lost money there. So I had some money left over. But I didn't really want to go back into the music business. But I didn't really have any other career. And the music business had really changed because people weren't buying CDs. They were downloading everything for free or for 10 bucks a month from Apple or wherever. So the artists don't get paid much at all. And the only way to make money was to be on the road constantly and selling merchandise, which was a very tough thing to do because a lot of places were not hiring because of the economy. So I ended up opening a retail store based on things that I liked, like food and Ethiopian furniture and kind of an eclectic little place. And 2013, uh, shit hit the fan in my life. I, my nine-year relationship broke up. My father, who I was really close to, died. 
And I almost went bankrupt with my store. There were a lot of problems with the building in the city and all kinds of stuff. So I moved to Kansas to live with my sister. I thought I was going to live with her for about six months. So I figured out what I was going to do next. And on a routine dermatology appointment, I was told uh, that I had stage three melanoma after they'd done some tests. And there's only four stages and there's no cure for that, for my particular melanoma. And although they removed it, they said that there was a 70% chance it would return within a year and I'd be dead within two. So I basically decided to get my shit together and say, if I only have two years to live, which I didn't believe. And this whole story is in, the, in my book, Between the Notes. I go into great detail about this. But if I only have two years, I'm getting out of Kansas. I'm going to go to California and I'm going to rewrite my life to be exactly what I want. And come hell or high water. And I don't care what it costs or what I have to do. So I got real clear on what I wanted which was to go to California, hang out with my dog Bosco and make music and see what happens from there. I knew my why because I didn't want to live in Kansas and I didn't feel like dying at that particular time in my life. And I just created it. So it's interesting. And you don't know this because I haven't told you about this, but the, the second half of the story is the first time I came to San Diego, I wanted a place that was a thousand dollars a month and one bedroom with parking and yada, yada. And everybody said it couldn't be done. You could rent a bedroom for maybe $1,000. And I found exactly what I wanted. And I moved in. I lived there for six years. And then COVID came. I started to do the personal coaching. And then I got this apartment that I'm in now, which was, I think it's 1850 or something. And the rent's going up. So the story that you don't know was that I decided that I was going to buy something to keep my monthly nut at the same level. And when I looked into getting a condo or a house or anything like that, I realized I didn't want the hassle of owning a place again. I didn't want to mow the grass. I didn't do repairs. So I asked myself, what do you want? And I said, I want an apartment for a thousand bucks. I said, you were lucky to get it the first time, but I decided that's what I wanted. And I found it. And I'm moving in about a little under a month to a place called Point Loma, which is even in a better area. And it's in an arts district and it's five minutes from the beach. So it's even better. So I'm in the habit of seeing what I want and making it happen. And part of my success with that is knowing that. And the other part is understanding that spirituality is the real reality. And that's proven also with science, quantum physics. So all the people that I work with both ends of it so that they know what they have to do in the world to make a living and to be happy. And we identify those things. And then I teach people how to integrate the concept of spirituality, whatever that is to you. It could be nature, it could be Buddha, it could be Jesus, it could be nothing into your life so that the money and the, the identity thing doesn't take you over and you don't go down with the ship when things fail or get thrown up over the clouds when things go high. So that's it. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, at least myself, there's a gazillion life coaches out there, guys mm -hmm. without any careers, typically younger guys without real life experience. But I think that's what sets you apart or just looking at your story, you lost, you saw the highs of the career, you saw a couple of lows with money, 
in hindsight, it probably should have learned it there, but it took cancer to really hit, get hit a multiple times with this thing to finally what let go and see the forest from the trees. Right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need you don't need a lot of money to live. You really don't. I don't have a million dollars. I probably will again at some point, but I don't really care one way or the other. What you what I think that everybody needs is they need their health. They need to be happy. And they need some sort of security, financial, that so that they can pay their bills and things like that. But I live, I think I've shown you my apartment, at least on Zoom once, but I, have, I live like a minimalist because I really like it. I can pack up my entire apartment in less than a day and move. Okay, <laughs> so I'm real happy. I just come and go and I do what I want. I buy what I want. I go where I want. And I just create it that way. But this rat race of, I got to make more money. I got to make more money. I got to buy more real estate. I got to buy more stocks. I got to buy this. I got to buy that. Those days are over because they're insignificant to me. Yeah. I think when working with each other, we, I definitely had a clash with you on that perspective. You're coming from that minimalistic end. I'm coming more from most of our guys. They want 15 to $25,000 a month with couple million in like a pet fund making 12%. You got that, right? But I think in essence, we agree that you don't really need much to hit that minimal standard of living, even though it may be nice for most people's standards. But to keep working at something you don't like, that is, I think, what we both can see eye to eye on. Warren Buffett said the other day on a talk show, he'd be happy just with 100,000 a year. So it's not how much you make, it's how you live your life. So if you're going to kill yourself doing things that you don't like and living inauthentically or living under a lot of stress and pressure. I remember the days when I bought, got in Florida, they were building condos like popsicle stands and I was flipping them. And then suddenly no one wanted to buy them. And one of the leading causes of illness is stress. And inflammation. So I was really stressed out because I was a couple hundred thousand in this or whatever I was in. I forget. Those days are gone. I just don't, I don't worry about them. I invest now, I invest in CDs, get 5%. I'm making money on money that I don't really use. So I keep my life and I teach, I coach people to find their priorities. Like you and I had we're talking about what you want to do and do you want to buy a house for your family? How do you want to, where do you see your life? Not just professionally, but with your family and your kids and everything, because that's ultimately really what you come home to at the end of the day. You don't come home to your bank account and the bank accounts can go like that. Yeah. So, so you sent me on a series of exercises and homeworks. What was that one where you told me to write down, there were like three things you told me to write down. And the end of the days, those are the kind of the really things that you remember or are meaning. I think family well, was one of them. In my book, I outline the three very early basic questions are what really matters to you? Why does it matter? And what are you going to do about it? If you don't want to live in debt and you don't, and let's say, I don't know, learning to play the guitar is like really important to you, but you can't afford to do that with a $3,000 a month mortgage payment and a $500 a month car payment, when it's just you, a wife, and a kid, sell the damn things. What do you need them for? You don't need 
uh, you don't need to put yourself under pressure. If you're making the kind of money where it pays and you've got some slack and room and there's no stress, then if you want it, sure. But a lot of people live under a lot of stress and that's what makes life miserable. I mean, really, if you think about what is happiness, happiness is really doing what you love to do, being healthy, because if you got your health, you got your first couple million. And really, it's really comes down to self-love, radical self-love of saying, I don't need to put myself through the ringer. I don't need to make $20 million. I don't need to own this and own that and own this and all that. And this is what I like. I have... (laughs) I have a relative who is beyond rich, beyond rich. He's got more money he could wipe his butt with. This guy is loaded. I think I've talked to you about him before. And I talked to him the other day about watermelon. And I said, God, the watermelon's 79 cents a pound here now. And he said, I would never buy it. I said, why? He said, because watermelon will come down to 59 cents. And I said, what's the difference to you? (laughs) You can buy every watermelon in, in, in the country. But his mindset is that he will not spend 79 cents, but he loves watermelon. So he, is he happy? Is he not happy? On, in other areas, he's happy. But me, I don't have anywhere near the kind of money he has. And if I want the watermelon, I buy it. I'm not going to remember it on my deathbed. At the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, you have to ask yourself, what did I do with my life? Did I live a happy life? Did I help other people? Did I leave the planet with something? Did I understand the spiritual equation to everything? Pretty much. So something that people always ask me is is the simple passive cash flow thing has definitely gone viral since starting it back in 2016. And I'm pretty lucky. If you're going to start a podcast or YouTube channel, or especially a blog, good luck ain't going to happen these days. So I see myself as very lucky and fortunate to be in this position. One family value I have is always use something, don't waste things, which is why I continue to do what I do. But you and I, you help me uncover something like instead of just being the guy doing everything, kind of help me find the path to letting go and creating this team that helps me do everything behind the scenes. But then you also help me uncover that I don't really want to be the CEO, the guy at the top. I want, at the end of the day, what made me happy was getting on the phone with investors, helping them onboard onto alternative investments in a way I call it the chief technology officer in a way that guy who keeps doing that stuff, but the ship is driven by somebody else. Of course I have the Trump card. I'm the owner, but the way I, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I got this from you. Back in the day, you hit your stride with children's songs, right? You don't like kids. But at the time, I didn't like kids. Yeah. No. I mean, like, well, I did, it's not that I didn't like kids. I didn't like performing for kids because I wanted to be an adult performer. But I had two strides, two waves that I hit, the kids' music and the dulcimer, well-known with the dulcimer and dulcimer meditation. But I'm like you in the sense, and we had talked about that during our sessions, that you're an out-of-the-box thinker. You don't need to do those things. You're better delegating other people to do the day-to-day stuff because you're happier creating stuff, you know? And that's where you get your, you keep your fingers in it, but that's where you were, you discover that you were happiest as an out-of-the-box thinker, almost 
like an artist. Yeah. I have another buddy like change the business so they don't know who they are, but they essentially run like a, a chiropractor kind of practice. And everybody tells them, you know, you need to be the business owner, be the business, run the business, grow the franchises. But the guy just likes to interact with patients in a way that's what I am. And there's nothing wrong with it. The biggest thing is owning what you like and then not just following the tract. And I think that takes a lot of courage. And I think that's what I took from your story. I think you were, like you said, correct me if I'm wrong, but when the music industry started to change, the name of the game was getting on tour, which is a lot of pain in the butt, and you didn't want to do it. So you looked elsewhere and then following the norm on that. Yeah, but things always come to me. In the book, my book, Between the Notes, which just came out, oh, it won an, uh, an award from Amazon, bestseller kind of award too. I should throw that in because I forget about it. I talk about that in my early life, I had premonitions of three different phases of my life. And the first phase was that I would just have a difficult childhood and kind of wonder what, what I was doing on the planet. The second phase was I would still struggle, but be very successful in money and business. And that was true. And the third was that I would end up being some sort of an esoteric kind of teacher that taught the balance between spirituality and living in the world and the illusion of that and where quantum physics comes in. So I think the reason that people come to me as a coach is because I'm completely authentic. I only teach what I've experienced. I don't have a plaque on the wall from school 101 from Siberia or something like that. Because what I do works. And when, I, when my clients use the tools that I teach them, their lives completely change. I've seen it over and over again. But at the same time, I was doing another podcast and he was a coach and he was telling me, you could be a rock star coach with your story and oh, you're really different. And I said, I have no interest in being a rock star coach. I'll work with six clients at a time. I don't care. I, <laughs> in fact, I've turned down several clients at a very high price. I was charging a lot of money because I knew that they weren't going to do the work. My thing is that if you really want to change and you're all in, your life will completely change and you'll never look at your life the way you used to. You, you really can't because when you start to discover these things, you, you just can't. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was, when we first started working with each other, we talked shop, talk business. That's always fun for a business owner, talk to other business owners, especially in the info space, books and YouTube media. And I was giving you some ideas on funnels and marketing, and but you didn't listen to me because you don't really want to do that. <laughs> I think that's what I took from you too, is you like to work with a very small amount of people going deep, which is not the best way for traditional monetization, which is the way my mind thinks. But at the end of the day, it pays the bills and then some. And other than that, what's the point? I'm making more money than I ever did in the music business, but I have high-end clients. And the reason that they're willing to pay is because they get results and they see that it works. In, in the coaching world, you can have a lot of coaches charge, I don't know, $3,500 for 10 sessions and all that kind of stuff. I can't do anything with you in 10 sessions. 
I can't do anything with you in six sessions because it takes you six, at least six months for you, for people to get through their own mindset of who they think they are and what they really believe and what they really want. Because when you start working with a coach, you don't know this person. So it takes a while to, to really get to know them and to open up and to, if the coach asks some deep questions, that, that helps a lot. And then you start putting together the house, the rooms and the decorations of your life. And then by the end of the first year, you've shifted, you've changed. Yeah. Then Funny story. Money, the price is what you pay. The value is what you get, of course. But you know, I went to that, that Tony Robbins event a long time ago, maybe like 2016. And they have different seating orders. They got the cheap seats in the back. You have the semi-cheap seats and you have the more expensive. And then like the ones that cost 10, 20 grand, like just ridiculous. But I, so like I bought the middle of the wrong one because I went with another group and we got better pricing, more bulk rate. But then I, the thing is like four days long. So I would sit in different areas. The, I essentially sample the cheap seats, the middle seats, and then the sort of higher seats. And boy, were like the people different and the problems that they were facing different. And I could see a guy like yourself, like working with the lower end clients, just getting really annoyed, you know, because it's just different level. I think I'm the same way too, right? Like I don't work with broke guys who don't have jobs. And I tell well, them, like, I can't help you with that. Well, stuff. I'll tell you an interesting story. I had a woman want to work with me and I spent two hours talking to her at first just to get to know her to see if we wanted to work together because it's a two-way street. And at the end, I said, okay, I'm willing to take you on as a client, and this is what I charge. Oh, I can't afford that. I, it's just no way I can't. I said, okay. I said, we could do this. We could do this as another option. She said, oh, I can't. I can't. I would want to, but I just can't afford it. I said, okay. And then I knew what was going on. And I said, I have an online course for $200. I can put that down, and maybe in a couple months, I could. And I said, okay, I got a book for 18 And she said, okay, I'll, let me order the book and read the book, and then I'll get back to you. I said, okay. I knew she wasn't going to order the book. I knew she wasn't going to do shit. I could tell. So I see her on Facebook a lot because she's a part of my kind of friend group. And one day I asked her, or she mentioned that I was getting great reviews of the book. And I said, yes. I said, how did you enjoy it? I have to order it. I keep telling myself to order. This woman is never going to leave her problem. She's addicted to her pain. Okay. If I were to tell somebody, if you give me half a million dollars, and I will get rid of your cancer forever. I don't give a shit if you're a bum on the street. You will find it. You will find it, okay? Another client called me who had cancer and couldn't afford to work with me, and I absolutely gave it to him for free because I could see in him he was going to listen. He was going to take the advice, and I knew that if he did what I told him to do, which was really sending them to different people that I knew who could really help them, it would be great. So for me, it's not so much about the money. It's about, is the client going to listen to me? Are they all in? Are they not? The clients that do really well with me come to me and usually when they're at the end of the rope, their husband's just died or, or something's happened. So it's not about the money, but there's a lot of people who want to afford me or I'm not that expensive for God's sake. People do pay me. But they don't want, they don't even want to spend $200. If someone wants to invest with you and they want your game that, you know, that you're selling, but they want to only come up with half the money. They're not serious because. Oh yeah. We stay away from people like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> but if someone comes in there sincere and they really need help, I'll help them. Because something I'm just passing it along. Because when I had the cancer thing, I didn't have any money, and the lady helped me out. And I think what the listeners can hit with there is, I think we all are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of that person within your friend group that is known as the guy or gal as the financial fanatic in your little friend group. And if you're like me and most of the other people that come to our events and in our club, nobody listens to you out of your friend group too. And man, is it a pain to just climb uphill with people? And that's why I say, that's why people join our family office group that has over a hundred members now. And we allow people to test drive one event. The next one is going to be in San Diego, although I don't know when this is going to air, but Hawaii, when people come, it's like night and day. It's instead of going uphill with friends and family, talking about this stuff, you're skiing downhill, holding hands and singing Kumbaya. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, right? This is your craft. And you almost do it for free, right? When you're finally going downhill with somebody who is open-minded and taking what you're telling. I found that when I'm serving people, when my interest is in really helping people, they show up. The right people show up and and the money comes in weird and mysterious ways. So if, you know, if someone's listening to this podcast, obviously they're probably invested with you. If they were to have happiness and joy in what they were doing alongside with the money, their lives would look different. Their lives would feel different. What happens is when you believe your negative thinking, which could be fear or doubt or things like that, you suffer. When you believe your thoughts, you suffer. You have to ask yourself, are those thoughts true? Is this true? And you end up getting down to the nub of it and saying, well, this is who I am and this is what I really love to do. And I don't want to invest in, in an apartment building. I, don't, I want to invest in a green technology building or it is that makes it work for you or to take the money that you're making on other things and do something that serves you. Because I had money and I had fame and it didn't, it was fun, but nothing I wanted to hold on to. You know? That's buying what gets you going and go for it. That was one thing that we worked through. The other thing on the opposite end was figure out what annoys and brings you bad energy and get rid of the damn thing too. Just saying no. And you helped me identify cutting out a lot of things too, because some things are just too much crazy. (laughs) I guess you're talking about people or endeavors or things, just flying life with people, activities, and that stuff was another takeaway I had. Yeah, simple is best. (laughs) I'm trying to think of examples as opposed to being so esoteric, but I got rid of the damn thing. I don't even remember what they were. Yeah, because Um, they weren't important to you to start with. You you thought they were, it was a false sense of security. One of the things that you and I spoke about, but I don't, talk about these things normally publicly because everything is private between the client and me, but you've invited me to do is that you have, you had, and you have this sort of what we call a Robin Hood mentality, which is helping people not get eaten by the sharks in the business and to help them out in a more giving way. And that was one of your main motivators, right? 
Yeah, and part of that Robin Hood mentality is there's a little bit of edge to it, right? Give to the rich or steal from the rich, give to the poor in a way, anti-establishment. Yeah, not to and mention. I, I, I think at one time I felt maybe a little guilty of that, but I think you helped me see that's who you are. That's That brings me energy, that whole vendetta. Yeah, it's more of the creative process. Yeah. The more you, whatever you can do, the least amount of sweat and aggravation the better. And then it opens up the question, what is real and what is really important? I don't know if you got to watch it, but I sent you a video yesterday from YouTube about a doctor. I forget what kind of doctor he is, but he was electrocuted. He was on the phone and the storm hit and this uh, bolt of lightning came and he basically died. He left his body and uh, someone found him and he saw his mother-in-law kind of running towards him. And he wondered, why can't you see me? And he says in this video, he realized that he wasn't his real body, that his consciousness goes on and it's just, it goes on and on. And it's not just the body. When the ambulance came and they revived him, it completely changed his life because he always thought that he was just this, what they call the meat suit. <laughs> so that's a really important thing to ask because when you say to yourself, who am I in for real? On a, not just spiritual level, but a scientific level, quantum physics tells you that this is pretty much an illusion, a joke. This world is basically just energy and atoms are 99.9999% empty and all that kind of stuff. It gives you a different perspective. This was the part that you and I actually never really got into deeply, but it gives you a different perspective. So a client of mine who has learned about this ended up in the hospital for something and she said that she was in the emergency room and she was perfectly calm. She was aware of what was going on and everything was fine. And another client of mine, a big real estate deal fell through. And she said, I can't believe I didn't go nuts because I realized that something else better will come along and yada, yada, and it did. So it's a funny kind of reality when you learn about the spiritual slash scientific viewpoint because it changes your viewpoint on everything and it becomes actually more fun but what's that what's that this is funny you mentioned that children's song row 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 your boat yeah gently down the stream merrily life is but a dream it's the truth yeah i watch a lot of near-death experiences on youtubes and they all say the same thing there's videos from doctors, neurosurgeons, people with a lot of degrees, a lot of professionalism, a lot of money that literally died, clinically died and had this experience and came back. And they all say the same thing, that this world, th these jobs, these material possessions that we have in the end don't mean shit. They're nice, but they don't mean anything. So if you're going to die, which everyone is going to die and... I would think that people would want to know what is the real deal. Now, there are people that don't. Like my father didn't want to know anything about anything. He's just, no, you're born and then you die. And you make money and you try and be happy. And that's end of story. And that really isn't. So I think what makes me unique as a coach is that I really, I have to really engage that idea and integrate that idea into people's lives because when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And life just becomes a lot easier when you're looking at the spiritual slash science element to what is real. Your values change. Better things happen. 
It's no mistake that I found another apartment for $1,000 a month. Could I afford a $3,500 apartment? Sure. I have absolutely no need for it. I don't want a gym. I don't need a sauna. I don't need a doorman. <laughs> I need a little funky little place to hang my hat. But that comes from being clear and listening to my inner voice and knowing what that inner voice is and how to summon it up and what to do with it. It's a real subtle art, but that's the thing I love teaching. So we talked about the average listener, which is essentially like another me. What is, I mean, you've had other clients in the similar space. What's another like very common like kind of thing you work through? changing a perception or epiphany, I guess. The first thing is people are usually very hard on themselves. That's usually the first thing that we have to accomplish is to realize that there's no need for that. You can actually really like yourself and love yourself, have date nights with yourself, and it's perfectly fun. You become less needy. You become less dependent on other people. You're okay if things happen. You're okay if things don't happen. So that's the first thing is a radical self-love. And the second thing is stress. We take on stress because we worry about the future. The future doesn't, the future's not here. The past is gone. All you have is now. So you don't know what's going to happen with your money. I should have had $30 million by now. You know, that didn't happen. (laughs) I should have been dead. That didn't happen. So when you, again, when you believe your thoughts, which often are fear, and fear stands for false evidence appearing real, makes for a lousy life. And then people feel stuck. They want to do something, but they don't know what it is. COVID really opened that door because people realized that they could, they had friends that were dropping and they thought, I don't want to work this tech job. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I need to reinvent my life. I'm finding out what's important to me. And a lot of times with women, especially kids are grown up, there's nothing much exciting going on in the marriage and they forgot who they were before they got married. They wanted to be an architect or a nurse, or they wanted to do these things, but they became a mother and a wife and whatever they chose to be, but they don't know who they are now. They get stuck. So I don't know my purpose. So I don't know what I want to do. All the money in the world won't solve that one. All of these things are inner questions that need to be answered. And they can be answered whether you have money or you don't have money. So those are the three major ones that people normally come to me with. And this with a little bit of an action item for folks. And I guess set us up, Kevin, with your taco story. So I used to live across the street from a taco stand. And one day there were these, I assume they were immigrants. I don't know because it's San Diego down here. Then I noticed that they were eating tacos and drinking Coronas and laughing their asses off. They had bad teeth, I remember that. They they looked schlubby, but they were having a great time. And right behind them was a guy in a business suit. He was on his phone and he was holding the taco with the other hand. And I thought there was blood running down the side of his hand, but it was actually taco sauce. But he was yelling at someone over money. I don't, I forget exactly what it was about, but what dawned on me is here's a guy who you know, was driving a Mercedes. Actually, I think it was a Jaguar. Whatever. It was a high expensive car in a business suit, yelling about money, probably going to get indigestion over his taco. And you have these two guys that are immigrants that are just having a good time. So that 
proved to me something that I already knew is that you don't need money to be happy. Money won't bring you happiness. But it's not what you are, it's who you are that's going to win at the end of the day. So the ultimate thing is if you can find a way to do your life that you're happy with and you got a little money to play with and invest it without putting yourself under amazing stress and can make a little money, that's good. That's great. The action item here is once you're done with this podcast, go out and head to your nearest taco stand or heck, even Starbucks and maybe just observe people in the different states they're in. They're all working through their own problems, some pursuing money more than others, what's the kind of state they're in, and then maybe self-reflect on that point. And then when you're there, because all you guys use their free Wi-Fi, I don't know why, you probably have some bandwidth on your current plan on your phone, check out kevinroth.org, and then check out his new book, between the notes, practical ways to find your inner groove and dance to a beat that makes your heart sing on Amazon. Uh, man, that's a mouthful, Kevin. That Just go Kevin good. Roth between the notes. Yeah. Not between the sheets, between the notes, folks. First it's between the notes and then you get them between the sheets. <laughs> Thanks for jumping on, Kevin. And then again, folks, we'll put this and other similar material at simplepassacashflow.com slash happy. Now you know, against the advice of my staff, still get on the calls with you guys. If you guys join our club, simplepassivecashflow.com slash club, you get your free intro call because it makes me feel like Robin Hood and <laughs> gives me some purpose in the life. But I try not to do it more than a couple of times a day because it just cuts into family time and hobby time and stuff I got to do. But thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.